the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And I'm on the air. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. Welcome to the show. A little Ukrainian folk music as we talk about the impeachment hearings and the controversy surrounding the Ukraine and the president of the United States asking or inferring that the president of the Ukraine uh, investigate corruption related to the 2016 campaign and to the the Bidens, uh, which is wholly appropriate for him to do since he's our top cop and he's head of the uh, of the FBI and the CIA and the Justice Department. These are all under his his purview. So the House committee is centering their testimony around the involvement of different American diplomats and uh, White House officials who were working with, on, or for the Ukrainian projects and trying to get the United States and the Ukraines closer together, that the president of the Ukraine, the newly elected president, I believe his name is Zelensky, and our president Trump would have a phone call, which our president Trump uh, initially was reluctant to do because of the corruption in the Ukraine and his his uh, reluctance to to fund a country that was so corrupt, and especially when the Europeans were not chipping in their fair share either, uh, that we were taking on the majority of the burden to arm and um, defend the Ukrainians from the Russians who were invading their Crimean area on their eastern border. So this is all kind of boiled down to a few key people uh, there's Gordon Sondland, who was the, or still is, I guess, the ambassador to the European Union, and as such was involved in the Ukrainian situation, along with uh, Secretary Pompeo and uh, other people, uh, the now dethroned ambassador to the Ukraine, as we talked about last week. And also there's a character called... Uh, Alexander Vindman, V-I-N-D-M-A-N. He is a lieutenant colonel. He was born in 1975. He was actually born in the Ukraine, and his family emigrated, uh, Jewish immigrants from the Ukraine, to get out of the what was in the Soviet Union. That would be during the uh, Save Soviet Jewry that was inaugurated by uh, Richard Nixon's administration uh, to help Jews who were being persecuted get out of the Soviet Union and come to the United States or go to Israel or wherever. And so Vindman became uh, an American as a kid, uh, grew up speaking Ukrainian, Russian, and English. Uh, he graduated from State University in Binghamton, New York, and went on to get a master's in in uh, foreign affairs, specifically to the Ukrainian uh, and, and Russian era area, 
And so he uh, joined the Army. He's been in the Army over 20 years now. He's achieved the rank of lieutenant colonel. Now, the, the, uh, the usual course for a career military man who's willing to travel, and he was willing to travel. He was in Korea, and he was in the Iraq War. He got a Purple Heart for being wounded when an IED exploded as his vehicle drove by. Um, he's gotten some other awards, and, and apparently he's been an active member of the military and has done what has been asked of him. Usually after 20 years, you become a full bird, a full colonel. A lieutenant colonel is uh, is close to the upper echelon, but it's it's more like middle management. Lieutenants, captains, lieutenant colonels, that's more middle management. And then the next step up would be a full bird uh, or a colonel. So for some reason, he has not made a full bird. He's not made it to the colonel level. And after 20 years, that would have me scratching my head a little bit. So why not? <clears throat> well, there have been some criticisms of him that he uh, does not follow the chain of command and that he has stepped outside of his uh, uh, his appointed duties at times. And that seems to be what happened here in the House investigation from what I've read, and I've read a good part, good part of his testimony as well as uh, – as well as uh, the ambassador Sondland to the EU. So Vindman, by the way, he is a twin. He has a twin brother, and his twin brother is eight or nine minutes younger than him. So he, like twins often do, calls himself the older brother or the older sibling. And this is very common. I see this all the time with twins, whether they're fraternal or identical. Identical meaning they have the same genetics, so they're the same sex, they look the same, they have a lot of similar uh, characteristics in their personality, and they can even pass for each other and, uh, if they do their hair and their makeup, right? So he sees himself as the older brother, and guess what? His younger brother also works in the White House. Now, Vindman is uh, on the National Security Council. He is... Uh, in charge of European affairs for the United States National Security Council. He's involved in that. And uh, he has had extensive experience, apparently, in dealing with the Ukrainians, having grown up uh, in part in the Ukraine and speaking fluent Russian and Ukrainian. And so he seems to know these people. And, and I think his bias, at least in his testimony, has been that he's concerned about the uh, the Ukrainians, that they get the full support of the United States. And one thing he said over and over in his testimony was that he felt that if the president, who he interpreted the agenda of the president to be to investigate uh, corruption and the Bidens in the 2016 election and to go after the Bidens, he thought that that would split the Democrats and Republicans in their view of the Ukrainians and the government in the Ukraine, Zelensky of Zelensky took sides, appeared to take sides in this uh, battle, this internal battle between the Democrats and the Republicans, that uh, it would uh, sour the Democrats to voting for further aid to the Ukraine. So he has made that the centerpiece of his uh, concerns, and that that is why he went to uh, the White House Counsel for the National Security Agency, uh, the uh, the lawyer in charge 
Oh, by the way, he said that he follows a chain of command. That's this is in his testimony in his opening statement, and he said it throughout his testimony as as I read it. And so he said he always followed the chain of command. Of course, the the White House NSA lawyer is not in his chain of command. His chain of command would be uh, the next ranking official up, and you would go to the White House lawyer after you talk to your next ranking guy up. So like in the military, if you're a lieutenant colonel and you're working under a colonel, you go to your colonel first, unless you're up to something or you don't trust them or you're afraid of reprisals or whatever. And then you get a little sneaky and go go around behind their back and do what you got to do. But uh, this is what Benman did. He went behind the backs of his superiors directly to the council. And on the way to the council, Guess what? He picked up his little brother, who's also an attorney. Looks like we've got someone on the phone. Uh, Picasso from St. Pete. Picasso, uh, keep it brief, lad. Come on, talk to me. Uh, doctor, uh, one thing I must say about you is uh, you seem to like to go into the weeds of things, which, by the way, I personally also enjoy. <laughs> and uh, there are quite a lot of weeds concerning this, and now you're discussing Vidman, which was not the intention of my call. But since you're on it, I think it must be pointed out uh, that he was so, whether it was uh, jovial or serious, uh, is undetermined, but he was so comfortable uh, with the Ukraine government that they offered him three times to be the Ukrainian defense minister. Now, that was part of the testimony. And by the way, I watched every hour of it, and thankfully uh, I won't have to go through that again. But I did write an article about uh, the weeds of this and the basics for anyone who wants to not spend the uh, hundreds of hours of listening if you just come over to our website and read the uh, article, which is somewhat lengthy, and starts off with exactly what you did. It's the part of the transcript printed um, uh, from the entire transcript to, to tell you what is happening. And a basic uh, idea of the article is that, yes, Mr. President, you are guilty of a lot of the things that the Democrats have said but you are not guilty of crimes. A lot of the things that they've asserted and claimed are not even crimes, and, and a lot of them are duties of the president. Well, that's uh, true, and I think that we also have to remember that the president had said repeatedly to a number of his uh, subordinates, including uh, Sondland, that uh, he wanted Sondland to go and be truthful and that he expected no quid pro quo with the Ukrainians, and he said that repeatedly. He said that publicly. He said it privately. He said it to his aides, and uh, he didn't even really say that on his phone conversation from the transcripts that I read. So, I am uh, no. I'm I'm a little no, incredulous, especially of of Vindman. Now, I got to tell you something about Vindman. I analyzed his his uh, testimony. He said, as far as I know his quotes, as far as I know, eight times, he said, I mean, 87 times, I think 275 times, maybe wow. 45 <laughs> times. I don't recall exactly 45 times. I don't think so. 46 times, you know, 603 times, I guess 132 times. Now, the first thing I would say when I hear, and, and of course, as a physician, I have listened to people all my life and I have to quickly decide whether or not they're telling me the truth. And most people... Uh -huh. 
try to tell the truth, but you know, a lot of times they're they're going to fudge a little bit, especially when they're before someone they consider uh, an authority figure like a doctor or a cop, or they're going to get nervous and they're going to forget. Uh-huh. And so what I do a lot of times is I just, you know, when people start telling me this story, I just look them in the eye and I say, you're lying to me. You're a liar. And of course, that brings a big grin to their face because they know they've been caught. But uh, this guy's testimony sounds to me like he is a liar. And I'm not saying well, that he well, is, well, but, yeah. but looking yeah, at this from that, my that. professional point of view and knowing people the way that I do, I would say that anytime you start rationalizing, justifying and explaining and umming and awing and making excuses, either you're extremely nervous or you're dishonest. That's my, yeah, my but, but take. doctor, but, do, but doctor, you're not allowed to say that because he has medals on his chest. Well, I don't care. Now about that wasn't that. the case. I understand. He's not I even a full bird. I wouldn't even let him in it, the room. I mean, he's not at my level. You know, you got to be a full it, bird to even sit down and look me straight in the eye. I mean, he didn't make it, it to. Uh, he's been in the army over twenty years, and he hasn't even made the rank that he should be at right now. It's like John it, McCain it, never it got only, past it captain. Only, it only applies when you might suspect that one is standing in front of a committee and lying. It didn't apply to uh, the uh, general who is now uh, been charged uh, for simply lying uh, in the investigations of slips my mind. Now I can't believe that, um, you know, who has been uh, presumably convicted and is waiting the uh, end of the uh, hearings who worked for Trump in the NSC uh, for a short period of time. Um, he was his national security advisor. National, who will tell me his name uh, anyway? Oh, that, it, you got you. You making me draw a blank. But you, uh, let me say yeah, this about he, uh, that. That was uh, oh, what's his name? He had the had the pointed, he had thin nose guy, older guy. Um, yeah. At any rate, well, they, they uh, went after him. They didn't seem to honor his medals as they as they defaced him, drove him broke. Well, and, I mean, uh, you know, come on. He, uh, the first thing you don't do is you don't lie. You don't even if you are uh, not sure. You just say, "I'm not sure. I don't remember." But well, to to absolutely well, let's answer get to the, the nut. FBI let's get to something the nut. that's not true, you're going to get yourself exactly. in trouble. Let's let's get to the nut of that. He he he's a, a military man, and I respect his military service, and I respect military Flynn. Uh, uh, quite a lot. But I Flynn. don't respect Flynn is his name. Washington. Flynn, yes, you're speaking of Flynn, but we're speaking of Vidman now. I don't respect it if you if you come before uh, a Congress in an impeachment of the President of the United States and you attempt to uh, to convolute and uh, alter. There are three things you must know about Vidman. One, he asked to physically change the transcribed phone call, but found out he couldn't do it. That's a fact in his testimony. Second of all, he was asked about whom to whom he spoke to about it, and he stated two people refusing to provide the name of the second person or possibly taking the fifth. Now, if you're a lieutenant colonel and you have to take the fifth in a question about who did you provide this top secret information to, are you in the right job? You know, so those are the questions that come up with him. And you've, uh, if you, uh, we have all hours. If you allow me to do this, I would appreciate. It. We have. A, well, I can't give you the whole show. The it's website. my show, dude. Yeah. I know. <laughs> you got your I website. Know. I got mine. I, 
You got yours. We got the whole testimony of all the complete All right. Well, we'll send everybody to your website, and let me ramble on here, okay? And I'll talk to you next okay. week. All right. Yeah, go go check out TrumpTwitterWall.com. There you go. You'll enjoy the article. I think you'll enjoy the article. Thank you. Thanks Have for calling. We'll see you next week. All right. Bye-bye. So uh, I wanted to talk a little bit more about Vinman because I think it's important that we look at the testimony that he gave, which was that the July 10th meeting with, uh, I believe, Ambassador Perry and Sondland, Vinman, Hill, uh, the uh, Ukrainian people at the White House, they had a meeting. And Vinman came out of the meeting believing that John Bolton, Ambassador Bolton, had ended the meeting abruptly when there was some requests made for investigation into corruption in the Ukraine. Now, he repeated this several times in his testimony and made a big deal out of it and uh, said that he talked with Hill and uh, with other people about this and that it it concerned him greatly and he thought it was inappropriate, although uh, I didn't hear him ever say that anything illegal transpired. Now you go to Sondland and Rick Perry, and Bolton hasn't said anything. He's a little bit smarter than the rest of these guys and knows when to keep his mouth shut. But uh, they all said they don't recall anything about that. They don't recall the meeting of July 10th being ended abruptly. They didn't hear anything inappropriate. They didn't hear, they didn't see that anybody was uncomfortable, that they all were tweeting afterwards what a positive meeting they thought it was with the Ukrainians and that their goal was to cement relationships with the Ukrainians and to convince the president to have a a call, if not a meeting at the White House with the new president of the Ukraine. Uh, Although again, President Trump was reluctant because of the corruption in that country, which, of course, would go to prompting him to say to the Ukrainian president, elect Zelensky, that uh, he wanted investigation into corruption. And if he mentioned the Bidens, well, you know, that's part of the corruption. That's what he's supposed to do. So if he uh, felt impelled to make that request of the Ukrainians and to say, look, uh, you know, we're giving you aid and we expect you to cooperate with us, not only for our benefit, but for yours, because you cannot run a country that is corrupt. You can't have uh, a country if there's no rule of law. And the Ukraine, like many countries around the world, like the majority of countries, are so corrupt. They're so corrupt. They're run by oligarchs like the Soviet Union and uh, China, where The Communist Party members are basically made men in the Communist Mafia, and uh, they they get all the good good positions. They get the good industries. They get the big money. And, and, you know, these are the billionaires in China. They're they're members of the Communist Party who have gotten into the free trade business. That's okay. I don't mind people uh, making money off of free trade. But the point is, is that the world is a very corrupt place. And for us to say that we're going to embrace and to continue to uh, help the Ukraine, especially in their military efforts, uh, to to say that we're going to do that requires that we get something in return. I mean, this is just part of, of diplomacy and international aid. And if you don't ask for something in return, well, you know what? You ain't very smart. If you're giving your money away without any strings attached, you're not a very good parent. No parent would do that. And I think that the first thing a parent has to say to a child 
is, okay, I'm glad to help you, but I expect you to keep your house clean. I want you to get up on time. I want you to uh, take your dishes back to the sink when you're done at breakfast, supper, and lunch. And uh, just do the things that any member of a household would do. Follow some basic rules. So the president's perfectly, absolutely correct in expecting the Ukrainians to implement some kind of uh, reform and clean up their corruption and institute a justice system that actually works. And listen, it's not just the Ukraine, uh, you know, all of Eastern Europe, all of the Soviet bloc. It was a mess. It was a mess. And just setting up things like uh, civil and criminal courts and uh, bankruptcy. I mean, I know a bankruptcy trustee who was sent on a mission to the the Eastern European countries to help them set up their bankruptcy uh, system because they didn't have one. There was no bankruptcy under communism. Everybody was bankrupt. The countries were bankrupt. And, you know, they were just printing money willy-nilly, and, and uh, everybody was pretty much living, except for the muckety-mucks, uh, a, a life of poverty. But they had food and clothing and shelter and a good education. So here we have Vindman, who has uh, a vested interest in the Ukraine. He has uh, ties to the Ukraine. He was born there. He had spent some time there. And he is putting his spin on it on what he felt had transpired in the meeting of July 10th, which is the center of his testimony. And then the subsequent uh, release of the tapes of the July 25th conversation between President Trump and President Vindman, in which Trump, throughout the conversation, promised aid, but also asked that they look into corruption. And he never, ever made a quid pro quo, and he completely denied that. And he told that to all of his ambassadors, including uh, uh, Rick Perry and John Bolton and all of the other people that were working on this for him. The uh, Gordon Sondland, the man who is the ambassador to the European Union, he said to him, uh, there, is, there is no quid pro quo. There is no quid pro quo. So I'm not asking Ukrainians to clean up their act and hand me uh, Joe Biden's head on a platter before I give them aid. In fact, they were getting aid all along and they got more aid after the conversation between the president and uh, and the president of the Ukraine. And they depend upon this for their military and they're spending about five to six percent of their uh, national budget on military uh, because they're in a conflict with the Soviet Union or with Russia, rather, not the Soviet Union. And let me explain the geography of uh, this, this area. The geography is uh, that the Ukraine is the second largest country in landmass in Europe, that it straddles uh, a number of, of uh, other countries and areas. It is uh, bordered by Belarus, uh, by Georgia, by Russia, uh, it touches Hungary, Romania. Uh, it, it's, it's surrounded by about eight or nine countries right there. Poland is on their western border, two big countries right there. And these two countries, in particular Poland and the Ukraine, are seen as the, the bulwark, the, the, the battlegrounds between the Soviet Union, or I'm sorry, I keep saying the Soviet Union, between Russia and Western Europe. <clears throat> and so... 
this is a vital, strategically vital country. It has a population of 70 or 80 million. It, it has the, it's been called the breadbasket of Europe because it has some of the most fertile land. It's been a crossroads between Asia and uh, Northern Europe for millennia. It has a heterogeneous population, including Tartars. It has a large Korean population, believe it or not. Uh, Ukrainians, Russians, Belarus, uh, people from all over this area uh, are, are part of their, their national makeup. And they lost the Crimea uh, in the scuffle with Russia a few years ago. The Russians, of course, want the Crimea since they have had that off and on for centuries. And that's where they go to vacation, the, the, uh, the hierarchy and the first the czars and now the, the, the political muckety-mucks. That's where they like to go on vacation and that's where they have all their big homes that they go to in the summer. So they have some, uh, I would say, a vested interest in that they're, they're – in love with this area, and they think that it is important to their national identity. So the Russians are going to fight for that. Now, the Ukrainians say, well, it's been ours for a thousand years. And the Russians say, well, we don't care. <laughs> you know, we, we kicked your butt multiple times and we'll do it again. We're taking it and that's it. Uh, and, and the Democrats, largely from the Clintons, and remember, Hillary's father was very anti-Russian. Uh, she has been anti-Russia, and they have felt that the Russians were the greatest threat, although now the uh, NSA and other people are saying, no, it's the Chinese that are the bigger threat. And my stand on this has been for decades that an unstable Russia is an unstable world. And whatever we have to do to stabilize Russia, we got to do. That doesn't mean that we don't help the Ukrainians and their stand against the Russians because part of stability is containment. Part of stability for, for any kid, any uh, errant child, any prisoner, anybody is to have some limits set. You got to have boundaries. You got to know what you can and cannot do. As a doctor, there are certain things that I can do. Certain things I cannot do or I'll lose my license. If I get convicted of a felony, I lose my license. And so getting a traffic ticket is one thing, but stealing uh, from, uh, you know, $10,000 from the hospital or $100,000 from Medicare, you know, that's a felony and I can lose my license. We have Ian from Clearwater on the line. Ian, what's up, bud? Hey, thanks for taking my call. You gave a pretty good summation of Ukraine, but another thing is, and this is just my opinion, this is the same thing... <laughs> There's a multiplicity of issues here. I haven't heard anybody mention the gas lines here, the natural gas lines. This is a fight. I see it on so many levels as a fight between competing interests within the Republican and the Democrat Party about gas lines transiting Ukraine. Who gets the money from that gas going through there? There's another thing involved in here. I think the key to this partially is Soros. And then thirdly, I would just want to say that in my opinion, now I know people are going to accuse me of being wrong and everything. I'm going to accuse Vindman of due loyalties. No, not because he's a Jew, because he's a Ukrainian. He basically went native. This dude seems to me cares more about the Ukraine 
than he does the U.S. of A. And I think we got a lot of people in our government that are thinking about their old countries. And, I'm, I'm, again, I'm not singling out Israel and going that way because that's the trope that if you accuse somebody of being dual, dual loyalties, you're automatically an anti-Semite. In this case, I'm saying he's loyal more, seems to me, to the Ukraine, just like we got people in our government that are loyal to Mexico. And now what about all these people that are getting busted that are working for China that were supposed to be good Americans? Uh, so this is such a Pandora's box, this Ukraine thing. It's oh, just yeah. a minefield. Yep. Well, I want to say this, that uh, if he was raised in the Ukraine for the first few years of his life, uh, at that point, his parents were probably raised through uh, the whole Soviet era. And so in the Soviet era, there was no religion. And I've talked with Jews from Romania and from different parts of the old Soviet Union who were raised there, and they're a-religious. So I agree with you. I don't think this has anything to do with being Jewish. I think it's Ukrainian. Uh, but I don't think it's unusual for immigrants who get involved in business or government or politics or diplomacy to want to help out the old country and keep the ties. And I don't have a problem with that, but I don't like to see somebody do it at the uh, expense uh, of uh, the president or of you and me or other people. And I agree with you 100 yeah. percent that the gas that, lines are, ex yeah. are extremely important because this is a gas and oil producing country as well. Yeah, and another thing is, historically, the Ukraine, it's basically what we're talking about. There was a book called Borderlands that came out. This is what this is. It's the borderlands between the eastern part of Europe and the western part of Asia. It's where the Caucasus, uh, eastern Europe, and western Asia meet. It's always been a fought over strategic area. Ukraine is yep. also on the Black Sea. Yep. Okay? It can reach out from the Ukraine, can reach out. In so many different directions, you can reach out into the Middle East. That's one of the reasons why Hitler went through there and conquered it on his way to the oil fields to try to get across the Caucasus. If he'd have done that, he probably would have won World War II, but the fool stopped at Stalingrad and got bloody there. So yep. this is just a repeat of history. Oh, yeah. It goes over and over and over again. Well, yeah, i got to go to break II, now. Yeah. The, the sponsors are yelling at me call. to give them some airtime. And always good to have you on the show, man. appreciate your input. you got good insight. I'll be right back. I'm Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. Trouble in Iraq. Security and hospital for, uh, officials say that security forces have fired rubber bullets and tear gas to disperse crowds of protesters today, killing two people. It's the third day of fierce clashes in central Baghdad. The, uh, the protesters uh, died in a number of situations. One was struck with a rubber bullet and died instantly. More than 20 others were injured. U.S.-led forces and their Syrian Kurdish allies have carried out their biggest joint operation against ISIS in Syria since President Trump ordered a pullback of U.S. forces there. The news comes on the same day that Vice President Mike Pence is in Iraq to reassure Kurdish allies in the region. And aides for New York billionaire Michael Bloomberg say he'll swear off both campaign contributions and a presidential salary if he were to run for office and win it. He's expected to get in as a Democrat soon. 
This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full-service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of can care, 727 727- 3846411 Hello, this is Dr. Bill Handelman for our good friends at Tampa Bay Imaging. TBI provides state-of-the-art MRI and CT scanning with the lowest radiation possible. Most insurance plans accepted and self-pay rates are very competitive. TBI is conveniently located in Tampa and St. Pete with evening and weekend appointments, so call TBI today or ask your doctor. In Tampa, call 813-386-3674. St. Pete, call 727-545-9674. Need another reason to join the Answer VIP Club? How about having your mortgage or rent payments covered? For a whole year, it's the answers. Christmas Mortgage Miracle. And as an Answer VIP Club member, you can win free mortgage or rent payments for an entire year. To enter, go to TheAnswerTampa.com and click on Christmas Mortgage Miracle. The Christmas Mortgage Miracle. Brought to you by Total Restoration and Contracting. Home of no money down roofs.com and AM860. The Answer. All right, St. Paul, Minnesota, and Dan. Hello, Dan. Dennis Prager. The well, reason I'm calling is I saw the movie last night, Don't Take Spaces. I just thought it was awesome. It is awesome. Powerful, entertaining, and terrifying. Why did I make the movie No Safe Spaces with my friend Adam Carolla? Because we're living in perilous times. The protest has turned violent. There's no free speech for a fascist. You should be able to share ideas without being fired from your job or shouted down. I want your job to be taken from me. No safe spaces will make you want to laugh and cry. But Hollywood does not want you to see this movie. You won't see it on Netflix or Amazon. The only place you can watch this movie is at the theater. No safe spaces. Every American should see this. No Safe Spaces is rated PG-13. For ticket information, go to nosafespaces.com. In theaters now. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. A partly sunny day today with a high 71. Cooler night with patchy clouds, low 50. Tomorrow will be mostly sunny with a high 69. Starlit night tomorrow night with a low, again 50. Mostly sunny for Tuesday with a high 75. Then a clear to partly cloudy night Tuesday night with a low of 57. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Kevin Snyder for AM860, The Answer. And I'm back. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD, coming at you on 860 AM, TheAnswer.com. And we are Talk Interactive Radio, 727 I'm sorry, 877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600. And we're talking about the uh, Vindman and Sondland testimonies before the House committee uh, that is trying to impeach the president or come up with charges to send forward to impeach the president. And it's centered around uh, Hill, Vindman, Sondland, a few other people. 
and uh, it's actually centered around the Ukraine, and apparently there's a, a lot of battling going on about how the Ukrainians should be handled because of their strategic position. Now, if you drew a line from Paris to Kiev, which is the capital of the Ukraine, it's in north-central Ukraine, uh, you would go through France, Luxembourg, Germany, Czech Republic, Poland, and then the Ukraine. If you drew a line from London directly to Kiev, and by the way, Paris and Kiev are at about the same latitude in Northern Europe. Uh, if you drew a line from London to Kiev, you would go through the Netherlands, Germany, Poland, the Ukraine. And Ukraine is surrounded by Poland. Lithuania is a little bit to the north, not on the border. Belarus, Russia, uh, Georgia, Moldavia, Moldova. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing it correctly. Hungary, Slovakia, Poland. So it's surrounded by a lot of countries. And, and as we were talking earlier with Ian, it, it's strategically located. It sits on the Black Sea. So if you can imagine Europe and at the uh, eastern end of Europe, right on top of the Black Sea and on top of Romania, uh, you, you would have the Ukraine sitting between the heart of Eastern Europe and the Russian Empire, uh, or what's left of it. And there's a lot of resources there, gas and oil. Uh, they are the breadbasket of Europe. They have a large population, one of the larger populations in Europe. And uh, it's a strategically as well as a financially important area, which has had lots of trouble, just like most of the world, and especially that which has been under the uh, thumb of the communists over long periods of times. It's 77% Ukrainian. 17% Russian, and as I said earlier, there's a large uh, Korean population there, believe it or not, uh, and it has uh, an elected government, and so it is uh, a titular democracy and one in which we need to involve ourselves and, and make sure that it is maintained and that we continue to be supportive of it in its fight against the Russians. So Vindman, who is the lieutenant colonel that testified before the committee and works for the uh, for the White House and the uh, the NSA. He uh, is the one who actually, from what we can tell, gave directly or indirectly information to the whistleblower, probably indirectly because he said he does not know them personally. So I'm guessing that he passed this on to uh, his superior, uh, the lawyer, of the NSA in the White House and his brother, and I'm guessing his brother probably spoke with an outside attorney who then gave it to a reporter. So, you know, we're, we're probably looking at a bunch of lawyers passing information through that uh, didn't care for Trump and didn't care for the way that he was conducting business. Now, Fiona Hill about Sondland, Sondland is the, I'll get to him in a minute, but I wanted to read you what she said about Sondland. Uh, she said he's, a, as a newcomer, unaccustomed to diplomatic protocols, exhibited behavior that was comical but deeply concerning, and his lack of adherence to security protocols made him a counterintelligence risk. Now, this is a career diplomat and uh, NSA person. Uh, she's testified in July, and Sondland attended a meeting, apparently, with Ukrainian officials and told them that an Oval Office meeting with Trump would occur if they began an investigation into uh, uh, the uh, the corruption and uh, presumably into the Bidens. And so 
this was her take on it. And oddly enough, these, these two NSA people, Hill and, uh, Vindman are the ones who are ganging up and saying that this meeting on July 10th was directly, uh, uncomfortable and related to a quid pro quo and request for investigation into criminal acts and that it was cut short by ambassador Bolton. And this was denied by Sondland and by Perry and by other people that were in the room. They don't remember that. So we've, we've got, uh, we've, we've got a, a, a little bit of a, a debate going on here. Now, I read Sondland's testimony, and he's kind of a funny guy. I enjoyed reading it. He's very articulate. He's another uh, Jewish American. I'm guessing that he was raised fairly secular. He says he's a Republican, but he's worked for Democrats and Republicans, including one of the Democratic governors of Washington State, where he grew up. He was born and raised in uh, in the Seattle area, Mercer Island, which is in the uh, in the Seattle area, Greater Seattle area, and uh, he's a successful businessman. He started a hotel chain. He started a bank. Um, he's made money. He's done well. And the president asked him if he would take this post as the uh, ambassador to the European Union. So it's apparently a big job. He's got 28 or so countries that he has to deal with uh, and his duties and responsibilities as the ambassador to the European Union because it's it's a big organization now. You know, it's a, most of the European countries are now involved with or belong to the European Union or have uh, trade agreements with the European Union. And so he has security clearances and he has had brief conversations with the president. By the way, Vindman has never spoken directly to the president and uh, really has no firsthand knowledge of, of anything that was said by the president other than what he has read or what he has inferred and what he believes is meant by something that he read the, the president said. So we've got uh, a he said, she said situation with Vindman and Hill, who are, from what I can tell, the two main actors in going after the president. And then they in turn passed something on to a whistleblower indirectly through another attorney in the White House, who was also an NSA attorney. And so we've got this whole cascade of characters who are fighting over the Ukraine and the Soviet Union and the Democrats want a more or the <laughs> rush. I keep saying the Soviet Union I'm showing my age, the, uh, the Democrats, of course, the hierarchy, including the Clintons and the Bidens, they want to go after Russia. They don't want the Russians involved in or have any power or influence in the world, they want to put them down. And uh, the, the push has been to move towards the, seeing the Chinese as the main threat to our security, not the Russians. And as I've said before, and I'll say it again, an unstable Russia is an unstable world. So our first task in terms of foreign affairs should be to make sure China continues on the road towards democracy, which is going to be long and bumpy, and also to maintain a stable Russia, because an unstable Russia is an unstable world. And I'll say that over and over and again. I've been saying it for the past 30, 40 years, and I'm not going to stop saying it now. But I, I, I'd like to get to a little bit of what Sondland said. 
I mean, they, they really went after this poor guy. I mean, they are tripping him up and asking him, well, are you sure that's the only person you talked to? And, well, I may have talked to somebody else. I don't remember. You know, he's, he's going through uh, several months of, of uh, high-level meetings with innumerable people, including 28 governments in, in Europe. And I think that to ask him to remember every little thing that was said is unrealistic. And he's, he's kind of a funny guy. And he, he you know, he, he even says, Oh, you, you got me on that one. You set me up good there during his testimony. And now they were all asked, uh, to, uh, talk with Giuliani, mayor Giuliani, Rudy Giuliani, who is the president's personal attorney and who was looking into corruption in, in the, uh, Ukraine as part of the defense of the president, should this come to trial as it apparently is going to come to trial. And so they all thought, well, why are we talking to a private citizen? And the, the obvious inference is that, uh, that Giuliani may have some information regarding the inner workings of the corrupt system in the Ukraine because he had been investigating it. And so they had minimal contact with, with, uh, Giuliani, but, uh, the, the House Democrats are going after Sondland, pushing him, saying, well, didn't you have more conversations? Did you discuss this with him? Did you recall hearing about this and this and that? And the company that is in the middle of this, the Ukrainian company that is in the middle of all this is called Burisma, B-U-R-I-S-M-A, and that that company uh, is the company that uh, Joe Biden's son, I believe his name's Hunter, was made a member of the board of directors without any uh, qualifications or any involvement in that in the oil and gas industry or knowing anything. And apparently uh, Biden's son, the one that's alive, not the one who died, has had a number of problems, uh, both legal and uh, educational and alcohol and drugs. I don't know what all's involved uh, and I really don't care, but apparently dad's trying to help him uh, make some money. And there's nothing wrong with a father wanting his son to do well. I don't have a problem with that, but not at my expense, thank you. So Burisma is this company, and this is what they keep uh, focusing on. The Democrats keep coming back to this and wanting to know, did you discuss Burisma, the company? Did you discuss the Bidens? And Sondland keeps coming back and saying, look, you know, if anything was discussed, it was uh, it was trivial and it was just part of the of the background of, of discussing everything that would go on. Uh, and they're asking uh, Sondland, were you coached? Did you have conversations? Did and, you know, and Sondland saying, I didn't talk directly to the White House after uh, I knew that I was going to come and talk before you guys, the committee, after I was subpoenaed, I, I had my attorney talk to the White House and to find out what uh, what information we needed before I came to this committee and testified. And of course, the Democrats, they don't like that. They they want to show that there was collusion between the White House and Sondland in cooking up this whole scheme to use uh, the president's influence in American money to gain favors that would impact the 2020 election. Well, you know, everybody forgets that this isn't about the 2020 election. It's about the 2016 election. That's where the corruption was. That's where the interference was from Russia, probably China, Ukraine. Uh, really, a lot of the world interferes in our elections. They want to be involved. 
They want to be involved in every aspect of our, our culture. Why? Because we're the dominant culture. We're it and we're open and we welcome everybody and we uh, want input. And as we were talking earlier, uh, Vindman, who was born in the Ukraine, has obvious emotional ties to the Ukrainians and he wants to see them do well and he wants to make sure that they are not swallowed back up by Russia since he has a bad taste in his mouth, having grown up for a little bit in the Soviet Union and knowing the, the, uh, the terrible uh, uh, travails that people suffered under the communist system. And I, I respect that. But, you know, you got to be honest. You got to tell the truth and, and you've got to be consistent with what the other people are saying. And he's the one who is out, who is not consistent. Um, Ambassador Gordon Sondland, on the other hand, seems to be shooting pretty straight. And uh, he doesn't say a lot of what what I quoted uh, or I counted Vindman saying. I mean, he, he doesn't do a lot of I mean and I think and maybe and I don't recall exactly and I don't think that and you know and I guess. Uh, and let me repeat this because I think this is important. When you look at Vindman's testimony, he said, as far as I know, eight times, I mean 87 times, I think, I mean, if you can't say, look, I absolutely know, I think 275 times, maybe 45 times. I don't recall exactly 45 times. I don't think 46 times, you know, 603 times, you know, you know, you know. I guess 132 times. I mean, you're, you're here under oath. You're supposed to be telling some facts to the committee and you're hemming and hawing. And I guess, and I mean, and I'm not sure. And I don't know. And, and, uh, kind of sorta and whatever. This isn't testimony. This is, uh, opining. It's a opinionation of what happened or what he wants the, the narrative to be for what happened. And this is not what uh, Sondland and the rest of the people at this meeting were saying. This is not the impression that Sondland and his people and other people in the uh, in the State Department, including Rick Perry and Ambassador Bolton, it's not it's not the uh, uh, the impression that they had from the president that there was a quid pro quo that the president would not release funds unless the Ukrainians started an investigation into Burisma and to the Biden family. And there's nothing inappropriate about the president asking that the uh, that the new incoming Ukrainian president who came in on a law and order and uh, clean up corruption and open the democracy up and institute a legal system that works to ask him to investigate the Ukrainian involvement in the 2016 election. That's one of the reasons we elected Trump. We want to know what's going on. And we know that if Hillary had gotten in, we'd never find out. We'd never know what happened. And we're still having a hard time. And they're still circling the wagons around the Clintons and the Bidens and the other people in the Democratic Party who were involved in this travesty, uh, this, uh, this absolute uh, abuse of power and this absolute uh, circus to try to use the Russians, Ukrainians, whoever, to discredit Trump and, and win the election uh, by hook or by crook for the Democrats. Well, it didn't happen, and I hope that this impeachment hearing uh, goes forward. I really do, and I hope that it goes to a trial in the Senate, and I hope that Mitch McConnell is shrewd enough to use this to expose these people for what they are. 
Now, how much is Mitch McConnell uh, tied to these folks? I don't know. I mean, you know, it used to be that these guys, whether they were Democrats or Republicans, were all buddy buddies after the debate was over. And remember, these are lawyers, a lot of them. And so they don't have any problem coming in and debating one side of an argument or taking the side they don't even agree with and debating that. And then afterwards, it's all hunky-dory. You know, you, you go into the courtroom and you've got two lawyers who are arguing and, and, and vehemently uh, battling each other. Then they go out and have a drink afterwards or meet each other for dinner. I mean, you know, this is just the training they go through. One of the courses the lawyers take in law school is called moot court. And that's where your professors make you get up and argue something you completely, totally disagree with. And, and you're graded on how well you argue that point. And uh, you're attacked by another member of the class who takes the opposite side. And the main thing, the main thing that they keep hammering to the, uh, to the young law students is that this is just a debate. This is, you, you keep your emotions out of it. It's the same thing we go through in medicine. You have to learn to keep your emotions out of your interactions with patients and with other doctors. Otherwise, you're going to get uh, you're going to get tangled up. You're not going to do an objective good job. So I can sit and talk to a patient and make them feel as if I were intimately involved in their life uh, and then walk out of the room. And 10 minutes later, I've forgotten the conversation I've had with them. I mean, it's something that I have to do in order to make them feel comfortable and get them to uh, uh, buy into the treatment regimen that I think is in their best interest. That's that's what you do. I mean. You know, it's it's like any part of any business, you, uh, of any service industry or sales or anything else. You have to win people's confidence. You have to supply them with a good product or service. You have to be honest in your dealings. You have to be upfront with them. And you have to give them an opportunity to bond with you in some way. Or they're not going to buy into your into your spiel. They're not going to buy into your, your song and dance. They're not going to buy into what it is you want to sell or, or uh, offer them or help them with. And, and, you know, that's the name of the game. That's the way we work as humans. We got to uh, get each other's trust and you have to be consistent. You have to be consistent in, in your interactions and your dealings with people and not only in the office or in the, uh, ambassadors, uh, office or or uh, at the sales counter you have to apply the same principles to every relationship you have whether it's with your spouse uh, your significant other your kids your family your friends your community the same basic elements have to be applied and the starting point for any relationship is always going to be honesty honesty is the starting point and if you can't be honest don't say anything now i think that somlin is doing his best to be honest from what I can see after reading his transcript. Uh, I'm, I have a lot of questions about Vindman. Uh, this guy really looks like he is uh, uh, slanting this for what I presume to be his own interest. And apparently he has a reputation, and maybe this is why he's never made full bird colonel, for uh, going around the command chain and going directly to whoever he thinks is a person that he should go to to get what he wants or get what he needs uh, put out there into the into the venue, into the stream of, of affairs. So I think that Venman uh, is, is a bad man. Uh, I don't think that he thinks he's a bad man, but I do think that 
he has made some bad mistakes, and I think he's made a big one here. And I think that this is going to come back to bite the Democrats and to bite uh, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman. And we'll see what happens. It's, it's an interesting phenomena, uh, history in the making, and boy, isn't it fun, fun to talk about. But I think the president's going to come out winning it by a landslide. And I'm going to get out of here, guys. I am Dr. Bill, your radio MD. We'll play a little Ukrainian folk music. Bye-bye. Biff.